Good to see you all here this morning. And uh, I notice uh, Steph and Cesar are here with their new bub. Yeah. Is he here? Where's Elliot? Oh, right there. Okay. All right. He's having a feed. Praise the Lord. That's good. Hey, uh, so uh, sometime this morning, preferably after I finish sharing, um, go over and, and say hello to, to the Cabralises and our newest member of the church. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Um, we've been uh, looking at this whole area of authority and in particular uh, looking at Pastor Leo Harris's book, uh, Five Keys of Authority. If we can just have the slides up, thanks guys. That would be awesome. And um, we've been we've been tracking through five keys, um, and we're up to week number four: the authority of the ministry. Let me get my glasses out so I can see. And this is a, a great key. But let me start off by by reading this scripture from Revelation one eighteen. Jesus himself is saying this, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. You know, victory comes through what? Come on, say it with me. Victory comes through? Through delegated authority. And if there was ever a victory cry, if there was ever a, a, a statement of boldness and courage to run into a battle with and claim victory in, it's this here. Jesus standing up and saying, I hold the keys over death and Hades. You see, generally death is it's regarded our greatest enemy. And yet Jesus holds the keys. So what does that mean? He's got control of it. Amen? Behold, I have the keys. You know, what's the purpose of a key? Tell me. It opens stuff. It unlocks locks. It gives you access into areas that are normally shut away. And only the owner has the right to have access to that key. Is that true? Only the person who owns those secured goods has the right to enter into that place where they are held. But more than that, they also have the right to give that key to any person they see fit to have access into that place. And so Jesus has got the keys. And let me tell you this morning, he is the rightful owner. But for a while, those keys fell into the wrong hands didn't they? They fell into the hands of Satan. And he had control. He had mastery. He had the authority. And the trouble is, even though now he's been robbed of that, Jesus has taken them back, he still goes around thinking or trying to get us to think that he's in control. But let me tell you, he's not. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is in control, not Satan. Jesus is in control. Jesus holds the keys. Amen? 
And so James says to us, therefore, submit yourself to him. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Don't say to fight him. Don't say to trip him up. Doesn't say to go into battle with him, but it says resist him. And what does he do? He flees. Because when he knows that you know where, what you know, because Jesus has given you that knowledge of where you are in Christ and your rightful place as a child of God, if we stand firm in that, in what Ephesians 6 tells us, then guess what? The devil's got nothing to say. He just walks away. He walks away. And that is the key. When we're talking about keys, when we're talking about authority, that is the key that gives us access into everything that Christ has done for us. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen: All authority has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore go. It's the same instruction he gave to the twelve when he sent them out. And to the 72, when he sent them out to the surrounding towns and villages, he said, go. He says, because I've given you authority to trample on the snakes. I've given you authority over all the works of the enemy. Therefore, go. And it's a similar instruction. It's a similar command to what we have today. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go in his name. Go in his power. Go in his authority. Go in his name. And lay claim to that which he has given you access to. This is great news, my friends. I'm pumped. I don't know. Can you tell? Yeah? Hallelujah. Yeah. It's good. It's good news. He has given us authority over all the works of the enemy. There is more. You wouldn't think there'd be more, but there is more. Ephesians 4 tells us, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And he's a good Father, amen? Who is over all. Okay, he's got the keys, he's got the authority. He's over all and through all and in all. Is there any place he's not? Is there any place he hasn't got access to? No. Because he's there. And then in verse 7 it says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men. Psalm 68 one says, May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. You see, if we were to go into the whole of Psalm 68, it's talking about a king going into battle. It talks about the journey of the Israelites from Sinai, Mount Sinai, into the sanctuary. To us, it relates to us, our, our journey from being under the law to coming in under grace. It goes on in verse 17, it says, the chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you led captives in your train. You received gifts from men. 
even from the rebellious, that you, O Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who bears daily our burdens. Our God is the God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Where did the writer of Ephesians 4 get the idea that Jesus led captives and gave gifts to men? It was prophetically foretold in the Psalms, Psalm 68. It was prophetically told that our king would go into battle and get back what was taken from us. You see, our, our predecessor, Adam, mucked things up. He did. God gave him authority over all that he created. If we want to read back into, in Genesis verse, uh, chapter 2, Adam had the authority, but because he believed a lie or because he didn't fully trust the word of God, he handed over that authority to Satan. And our king had to go into battle to get that back. Now you see, at this moment, we have all authority. You got that, don't you? You know that in your life, don't you? But if we don't activate it, what we are, in a sense, doing is handing it back to the devil and say, well, I don't fully trust the word of God. Um, I don't really know what to do with these kids. You, you, you have them. It's as simple as that. If you have keys, if you have authority, we need to exercise it in our life. We need to be able to appropriate it at the right time in the right circumstances to unlock what God has given us. He's given us abundantly, my friends. His storeroom is overflowing. Hallelujah. Every gift, every perfect gift, that comes from the Father, is ours. I'm sure you'll get excited about that soon. So the picture I get from all of this is that Jesus, our King, went into battle. He trampled over his enemy. He took back what was rightfully his. And you know, in Psalm 68, in Ephesians 4, the word captives doesn't actually mean a person, a prisoner. It actually talks about those things that held us captive, that kept us in bondage. Things like sickness, pain, death, sin. That is what the captives is referring to in Ephesians 4. Jesus took hold of them and he led them out. And he gave gifts to us. He goes on to say, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men. You see, we're talking about authority of the ministry. The fourth key in Pastor Leo's book, Five Keys of Authority. But you see, there's a danger that when I as a minister talk about the authority of the ministry, that you might think, you know what? Rod just thinks he's the man of God. You know? 
you better sit down, shut up and listen to him and do everything he says. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the person. I'm talking about the gift that God has given to the church, as it clearly states in Ephesians 4. We have to learn to separate and know what the difference is between God's gift within a person and the persons themselves. Because a person themselves is still a human being, still capable of falling short, still capable of letting you down. And there's this sense of many people who have been hurt because they put the minister up on a pedestal and when they've been let down, they've been deeply hurt because they thought that person was infallible. My friends, there's only one that is infallible. There is only one who lived perfectly and, and sinlessly. His name is Jesus Christ. All of us are still human beings. We still make mistakes. We still get things wrong. But the gift that is within us is perfect. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Okay. And that is what we honor. That is what we respect. That is what we, we um, take authority in. You see, King David understood this about Saul, even though he considered him an enemy. Saul was after his life. But David respected the fact that Saul was an appointed person. He was appointed as king over Israel. Okay? And David respected that. That's called humility. It's called reverence for God. And as we see, God dealt with Saul in his own time. And David was given kingship over Israel. 1 Samuel 24.4 says it like this. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David was conscious stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Again, we have to be aware that we are putting this into the context of the authority of the ministry. You agree with me that Jesus gives gifts to us. Amen. Each one of his children, there is a gift. And the greatest gift that he has ever given to us is what? Eternal life. Salvation. That is the greatest gift we have ever received. You see, everything else is basically what they, they call the cream on the top of the cake. The greatest gift we have all received is salvation. And we should be forever and daily thankful for that. But the gifts spoken of in Ephesians 4 are not personal gifts. Okay, let's have a look at this. They are gifts given to a person for the benefit of others. These are gifts which hold authority, 
His authority. And it's not so much a gift as it is a right or a privilege. Read this in Ephesians. And it was he who gave all or some. No, you're not. Some. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. My friends, we have shared upon this scripture time and time and time again, but let's look at it afresh right now. Okay? Some are called to be apostles. Some are called to be prophets. In the context of serving the church in that ministry office. And it's not so much a title as it is a function. And what is that function? To prepare God's people for works of service. You see, Pastor Leo Harris in his books, Five Keys of Authority, says that the first three keys, the authority of Christ, which we looked at, the authority of the believer, which we looked at, the authority of the Word of God, which we looked at last week, represent the authority of access to the abundant provision of God for all believers. But in Ephesians 4.11, we are told that Jesus gave some the authority of ministry. He goes on to say that this is a divine authority of mission, uh, ministry, not of a professional appointment or of self-appointment or the ability to preach skillfully but it is an appointment by Christ in his church for the benefit of his church. Those gifts are present, my friends, in this church. The gift of an apostle, the gift of prophet, the gift of evangelist, the gift of a pastor, and the gift of the teacher. And you know, for us, our duty is to recognize those gifts Call those gifts out, encourage those gifts, build those gifts so that those gifts can be expressed to do their purpose for which they were placed in this church. And you know, unfortunately, our Australian culture sometimes is counter to that because we don't enjoy seeing people rise to their fullness. You understand what I'm saying, eh? It's called the tall poppy syndrome. As soon as anyone starts to shine, as soon as anyone starts to function exceedingly abundantly well, what do we want to do? Hey, who do you think you are? Get back here with the rest of us. It's true, eh? We laugh about it, but it's true. And sometimes I see that in a church context where instead of encouraging those who are gifted, we are saying, who do you think you are? <laughs> You're an evangelist, are you? Oh, yeah, right. Why? Why? Our purpose, my friends, as family, is to build these people up, to encourage them, to see that they function. Why? Because if they function to the fullest of their potential, guess what? that is going to reciprocate into our life 
so that we are all, say it, say it with me, that we are all built up in unity. It's a two-way thing. You ever seen a bucket of yabbies? Who's been yabbing? Come on, you can't have lived in Griffith and not gone yabbing. All right, where do you stick the yabbies? In a bucket, right? And, and what do you see? You see them all trying to scurry up. And you see ones that almost make it. They've got their claws on the top and they're wriggling their, their tails and they're almost out. And what happens? Up come a big pair of pincers. We Get back here with the rest of us. My friends, church should not be a bucket of yabbies. Come on. There are gifts in this church of the apostle, of the prophet, of the evangelist, of the pastor and teacher. And we should be going, you go, man. You go. Instead of saying, hey, where do you think you're going? This is the challenge for us. This is the challenge of recognizing the authority of the ministry quote Pastor Leo who says this is not authority over people's lives nor authority of office in an organization but the authority of Christ over the devil and all his works the authority to do the works of Christ and to build up his church perfecting the saints and preparing them for the day they will be presented to the Lord it is an authority that makes a ministry effective and productive it is an authority that makes each different ministry fruitful in its own sphere. Here's a couple of challenging scriptures for us to ponder on. Matthew 10.40 says, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Let these scriptures speak for themselves. Mark 6.1 Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many, of him, uh, many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him, that he does even miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown amongst his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could do no more miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. A prophet has no honor in his own house. Are we able to look at this and say, am I honouring the prophet that is in this house, whoever they may be? Am I honouring the evangelist or the pastor or the teacher or the apostle? Or do they have to go elsewhere to function in what they should have been functioning in in our local context? This is a challenge, my friends. This is one I put to you. 
It is an amazing responsibility. Yet because of familiarity, we often think to ourselves, I know this bloke. I've been doing life with him for the last 10 years. He's a goose. And he thinks he's a, he's a prophet. He thinks he's a spokesman of God. Come on. I know I'm hitting some, some strings here. I, I know I'm hitting some points because I've been around this block a few times. And we dishonor the gift because we think to ourselves, I know this person. I know their faults. I know what they've done. I know that in the past they've said things to me that I didn't quite like and I took offense at them. But how about we put all that aside and say, this is a gift that God has given them. Why don't I start to recognize that and honor that because if I, what? If I honor the prophet, if I receive the prophet, what am I going to get? The prophet's reward. Why wait for those that are outside to come in to receive what God has given? Let us honor one another, my friends. Because when we do that, when we go beyond our objections, when we lay things aside despite the criticisms and despite our feelings and emotions, we will all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God, in the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. The purpose of the ministry gifts and the authority that goes with them is simply for this and this reason only, to equip the church. It's not about monopolizing a gift, but it is to reproduce it in others. Jesus' mission on earth was to die on the cross. This was his cause. It's what he was born for, John 18 tells us. But he also had another mission, another goal, where he pulled aside 12 people, and he trained them and he taught them to carry on the work when he left. And my friends, if he had not done that, we would not be here today. And if that had not been carried on from generation to generation to generation throughout the ages, we would not be here. You know, Christianity is only one generation away from annihilation. Did you know that? If every Christian sat on their hands for the rest of their life, did nothing and did not reproduce themselves, did not make believers and disciples, then in a generation it would all be done. It would all be over. But that's not the plan of God, is it? The plan of God is that we would pass the baton on. And you see, as I get longer in the tooth and more grey in the hair, this becomes a challenge for me. And it's why I get so excited when I see the younger ones rising up, when I see the younger ones fulfilling their ministry call. Amen? Do not despise them, more mature members of this church. Do not look at them and say, 
I knew this bloke when he was knee high to me. And one day he come up to me and went, whack! And I went, True story. And I embarrass him every time. But why, why stop the gift? See, each of us have responsibility. The older members of the church, the more mature ones, the ones who have been on this journey for a while, don't look around and despise others because you've seen their faults in the past. But encourage them. Call that gift. Champion them on. Younger ones, don't dishonour those that have gone before you, thinking they know nothing. I know everything now. Just move aside, please. Let me go. No. Because you have to honour that before you came along, they carried the baton until they were able to pass it on to you. This is one hand helping the other, my friends. The authority of the ministry does this. It champions each other on. It gives us a purpose to keep going. Are you getting anything out of this? I am. This is the great challenge. This is the make or break play. We get this key right, we will see God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And yet, I believe this is the hardest one out of the five to get our head around. Because we can reconcile the authority of Christ in our lives. We can submit to the authority of the word. We can say amen to the authority of the local church in the matters of the kingdom. But this gets personal because it demands we give respect, encouragement, submission to, and at times be humble when we're dealing with other people. Can I ask the musicians to come back up, please? One of the greatest things Jesus showed us was how to look at a person and see the best in them. You see, the crowd saw the woman in adultery and wanted to stone her. Jesus looked at her and said, I know you're better. I know there is something about you that you can grow into. When you look at the person across the room from you here this morning, what do you see? Is there daggers flying across the room? Is there that sense of, that person didn't say nice things to me? Or that person doesn't you know, recognize me? Or do we say, hey, I know that there is something in that person that I can call, that I can champion, that I can give respect to and honour because I know God has called us to do that. Jesus could not, not would not, do any miracles around those that thought they knew him. Let us not be like the people of Galilee and scoff at those that we think we know. You see, because one gift is not better than the other. One person is not better than the other. We are all needed. 
We are all called to work together, and we must all work together. And this key of authority of the ministry is vitally important, that we can recognize, respect, and release these gifts in our church. You go with good, good father. In conclusion, Pastor Leo says this, Men and women of God, let us arise in faith. Let us grasp this concept of the authority of our ministry. Lay hold of the key that is offered to us from the hand of Christ and go forth enforcing His blood which brought victory and brought deliverance to men and women bound in the captivity of Satan. What a wonderful key of authority is offered to the church in the ministry gifts of Christ. May God rise up a powerful ministry of authority that will in turn produce a victorious church. I'm stirred this morning. There is something in my, deep in my spirit that is saying yes. Yes, yes, and amen to all these things. I pray your heart's been stirred this morning. You know, some of us might need to do some business with God right now. Some of us might need to do some repentance before God because of how we have thought about others, how we have thought about the gift in others, and instead of championing them, instead of encouraging them, we've been the yabby in the bucket just trying to make sure they don't get too far ahead. So why don't we just stand right now? We're going to be singing Good, Good Father because it is the Good Father that has released this to us. And if you need to take time right now, you just do that. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, the reason that um, we've been given access to this is through the blood of Christ. That's where it all started. On the cross, Jesus died. For our sins we know that his blood shed upon the cross brought to us the forgiveness of our sin but flowing from that was everything that followed and flows from the cross and what we've been talking about this morning the authority of the ministry Ephesians says that he descended Okay, he's three days in the tomb. He actually descended into the pits of hell to grab back the keys of authority, to wrench them out of the devil's hands and say, you have no more authority over my creation. Jesus' death, burial, 
And then his resurrection appropriated this into our life. My friends, if you've been struggling in your, in your spiritual walk with this whole sense of what Christ has done for you, know this is a certain and secure truth that we just need to say yes and amen to. Regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we understand about it, it is just a simple truth that is a part of our life. He has given us all authority. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me, therefore go. Therefore go. Say it with me. Therefore go. Come on. Therefore go. Therefore go into all the earth. Acts 1 8 says, Into your Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and all the ends of the earth. Can I? We just leave some up here for the class. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you give one to Reuben too, please? Thank you, Father. Yeah, we take the bread and the juice. My prayer this morning is that what God has spoken to us about will just sink deep into our heart. This is important, my friends. This is important. What we hold in our hands has released, released that gift into our life and some he has called to be apostles and some he has called to be prophets and some he has called to be evangelists and some he has called to be pastors and teachers that they would instruct the people of the church in everything about the word of God and the spirit of God so that we all come together in unity and faith. And so that we all come together in maturity and that we are an unstoppable force, amen. That His church becomes an unstoppable force and that we will take hold of the victory and we will stand firm in everything that God has given us. And we will not back down. And we will lay hold of the promises. And we will do and fulfill the plans and purposes that He has poured out into our life. My friends, let us eat together the bread representing His body broken for us. Let's do that right now, giving thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. And let's drink together. Drink together. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Father, we say yes and amen. Lord, forgive us if we have not fully appreciated, respected, received and honoured those that you, that you have put in our midst, those that you have called into the ministry gift, Father. Lord, we repent of that right now. Help us, Lord, to recognise and to encourage those that you have gifted, not because they're better than us, Lord, but because you have given that responsibility to them. Thank you, Father, for the cross that has given us all this. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. My friends, if you have not received Christ, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, then I need to talk to you before you go. You need to give your life to Him. You need to be able to understand that God has a special gift, and that is the gift of salvation. If you need that salvation, then please come and see me as we're finishing off this song.